as we begin this morning, uh, just want to share with you, you may not be aware of it, um, part of our family, the Sebastian family, uh, they sit back there kind of where Bobby Curtin is, and uh, I'm sure uh, most of you know Donald and Casey Sebastian. Uh, they have two sons, Devin and uh, Brett, and uh, they lost uh, Devin, uh, so I guess early Saturday morning. And uh, he's a young man uh, due to graduate from Texas A&M University uh, this spring. He was interning with MyCon and uh, don't know if he had the, Devin had been here on several occasions. And of course, we have regular fellowship with the, with the family, very close to them. Um, but they are absolutely de- devastated. And uh, it's, uh, it's overwhelming uh, for them, it just is, and uh, we want to respect their privacy uh, right now. Uh, we will be sending out some information. We're going to have a service here. Don't know uh, when at this point, uh, but I just uh, share that with you. Uh, the thing that we can do for them is we respect their privacy and uh, is pray for them and uh, pray uh, fervently uh, from our hearts and our mind and our spirit. So I just ask that you be in prayer for the Sebastian family, and uh, it's a very a difficult, uh, I don't even think the word difficult describes it. It's, uh, it's devastating. So uh, please just keep them uh, in your prayers, and we'll have more information. And as far as the service and maybe things that we can do, I know uh, Melinda has a food chain. Melinda Jenkins put together a food chain for them. And we have people scheduled from beginning today through Friday uh, to provide meals for them. So we can serve and we can pray. And let's uh, do that. Um, Our Christmas boxes, all of them are handed out. They have to be back here on the 21st. And uh, they'll be delivered. That's the Samaritan Purse. Uh, We work with them and have for years now. It's a wonderful ministry. Those boxes are out. There you guys are returning them. Uh, We'll have make sure that. Uh, we get uh, that information to you too so we can have them back by the 21st next Sunday and then we're going to uh, deliver them to the Fairview uh, Baptist Church. Um, we're also setting up, I think Shelly, we're setting up the angel tree that we work with Still Creek uh, with. Um, and uh, you're familiar with that, but we'll have more information on that. We can provide, uh, it's a great way to serve and provide for the kids at Still Creek, so we're going to be doing that. The Saturday after Thanksgiving, we're going to set up our Christmas tree, and uh, that's a great opportunity to come up here and serve. More information on that. Everybody will be well informed. Uh, We're going to have a Christmas play for our Christmas Eve uh, night, and Tammy and Don Cannonbrink and Lindsey Roberson are heading all that up. It's going to be wonderful, and, and so I think there's an opportunity to sign up for that if you can do that. And so, let me see, boxes, angel tree, Christmas tree, Christmas play, and then uh, Carmen Janus continues to heal. Uh, And so continue to pray for Carmen and Lorna Pelton. I know I saw Lorna here earlier today. She's she's getting better. We need to continue to pray for uh, Larry Estes uh, and uh, and Jan. Jan, Jan's here, and I think Jan's making progress. So always those that we need to be in prayer for. So it, it is good to be here. This morning, 
ask you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. And we've been, I think this is the fourth, maybe even the fifth lesson on this opening introductory statement of the book of Colossians. Um, I did mention over the course of the preaching in this section and as we're going to go through the book of Colossians that that introductory statement, uh, what it has, it just emanates the Holy Spirit. If you were just doing a study on the Holy Spirit, all of the statements, all the opening statements uh, you could apply to or as a tenet to what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I've made that comment each week, but you see the living evidence in the, in the inspiration. And inspiration of the Holy Spirit is Paul writes to the Colossians, the Apostle Paul. I loved what you said this morning, Paul, out of the book of Philippians, that when you read that section in the third chapter of Philippians, you have a window of Paul before Christ and after. And so that'll be a little bit of the message this morning. But as we read this passage in Colossians chapter one, I'm going to begin in verse one uh, and, uh, and we'll go down through verse eight, verse eight. Might, well, we'll go through verse nine as well. So Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, the very first tenet in the Holy Spirit is that you and I have got to know as God has made known to us who we're of. We're either of Jesus Christ or we're of something else. And if you're not of Jesus Christ, you're void. We are void of the Holy Spirit. And who? By the will of who? By the will of God. Many of us, most of our lives, we spend a, we're in this conflict of we forget who we're of. We think, well, I'm of me by my will or something else. And for the Christian, it can only be by the work of the Holy Spirit that we are of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother to the saints and faithful uh, brethren in Christ who are Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father, spiritual tenant number two. If you have that Holy Spirit and you have the promise and the sealing of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it, it, something happens, you know who you're of, you know by the will of, and your knowledge, the knowing. Uh, who do you offer yourselves to? Uh, who do you, what do you give? Of all the things that we give, the most valuable thing that we'll ever give is the gift that we've received, and that is God's grace and his peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he promises a peace that will surpass all understanding. We give thanks. So we give grace. We give peace. We give thanks uh, of God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, paying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you've had for all the saints. I mentioned the last two weeks, if this section here, if you just started highlighting the word heard, 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 this is talking about spiritual hearing. Jesus would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, and he who has eyes to see, let him see. So since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world, also, it is constantly, we talked about this last week, bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Understood the grace of God in truth. I am going to stop at that section of Scripture and that point of verse. If, uh, if I said to you, uh, the most important, the most important thing that you need as a Christian. I don't know what you would say to me. 
Um, but I know what God's holy writ, the scripture says to us. The single most important thing that you and I need and have to have, it, and it's not, it's not only, it's the cure-all. It's the, uh, it's the map. It's the guidelines. It's the structure. It's, uh, it's, it's the cure-all of who God intends us to be as a Christian, and it's based upon you and I understanding the grace of God in truth. So let me, if I ask you, if I ask uh, uh, Braden and Colton and Hudson this morning, I said, I'm going to ask you something. I want you to help me understand the grace of God in truth. Now, I'm going to ask you the same question. If somebody came to you and said, can you help me understand the grace of God in truth? I need to understand the grace of God and truth. What would you say to them? Of all the questions that you and I should be able to answer, if you're a Christian, if, if God has saved you, um, and you know that and you believe that you've been saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, Ephesians chapter 2, if you know that, I have been saved by God through grace, by faith, and you know that, and you understand what that means, that as he saved me, he gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit. He saved me by pouring his love into my heart through the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 5. I'm a Christian now. God saved me. He poured his love into my heart through the Holy Spirit. I'm saved on the basis of grace, through faith. So now I need, and you need, and we need to be able to communicate to a lost world and to one another the grace of God and truth. It should challenge you. If I ask you again, help me understand the grace of God in truth, what would you say? What would you say? I was highly impressed with the answers um, that the Stasny boys, they, they were thoughtful. Many times with them, I get, if I ask them a question, this is what I get. I don't know. And uh, we've come a long way. I, I always uh, I said, don't do that. Just make something up. Don't lie. Never lie. But say, uh, you know, like, well, I'm going to have to think about that. Uh, don't say, I don't know. And uh, so I tease them about that. This morning, they didn't have one of those moments. They had a, a very uh, thoughtful and lucid uh, thought process. And, and so, but I'm asking you, what would you say? Because I am completely convinced from Genesis to Revelation that it's the single most important thing that we should understand. In my relationship with God, name anything that you would think that could be more important than understanding the grace of God in truth. The statement itself says something. It says, well, he doesn't just say, understand the grace of God. At least if I said to you, I want you to understand something. Well, okay, whatever, you know. But if I say to you, I want you to understand something in truth, it changes. I think uh, in, in the world that we live in, 
um, the word understanding, understanding something in the Christian community, the body of Christ, um, you say, well, I want to understand grace. Okay, well, we would begin to share that. But I want to say now, so you can understand something. The statement bears truth to something. You can have an understanding of something, but not in truth. There's not a, this wasn't an afterthought of Paul writing to the Colossians. When he makes the statement, knowing, hey, I'm of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and all, and you just continue, and you talk about fruit that is bearing and increasing in verse 6, and, and all of that is based upon a day. The day you heard of it, what? Heard of this hope and the word of truth in the gospel, verse 5, uh, and understood the grace of God in truth. I'm convinced that uh, theologians could write a lot of stuff about grace. I'm convinced that you and I uh, have maybe, maybe we should have, we better have an understanding of grace. But when you now, you take it to that next step. Not just understanding the grace of God, but understanding the grace of God in truth. In truth. So quickly, Jesus would say in John chapter 14, verse 6, he would say about himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So he's the truth, right? Okay, not a problem with that. So understanding the grace of God in truth. Okay. I'm, un, I'm absolutely convinced that if I encounter any problem in my life with my wife, my children, my family, um, anything in my life, the problem is always the result of, well, I'm in my flesh, so I'm, I'm just in my flesh. As long as I'm a, even as a Christian, I'm in my flesh. And I, I, I repeat this and I've repeated it so many times. Paul's statement about himself in Romans chapter seven, why do I do the very thing I don't want to do? The good that I would do, I find that I cannot do. I find that the principle of evil dwells within me, the one who wishes to do good. And, and he would call himself a wretched man. He would call himself the least of the apostles. He would call himself the chief of sinners, he would say he had to die to sin every day. It's true. First John, again, John writing to Christians, chapter 1. If we say we don't sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. If we say we haven't sinned, we make God out to be a liar. We sin. Christians sin. And, and we don't want, I think, I hope, I believe we don't want to sin, but we do. I sin. I have to die to sin daily. I understand when Paul said, I am the chief of all sinners. He wasn't, it wasn't false humility. But you know why he said it? Because he understood something. He didn't understand a little bit about grace. He didn't understand something about grace. He understood the grace of God in truth. And because he understood the grace of God in truth, he could confidently say, not in false humility, I am the chief of all sinners, I, I'm a wretched man, I have to die to sin daily. That's the starting point. And I think today, you know, if you go to Luke in chapter 7, this is a story, you need to read it. 
there's a woman that comes in, and you probably familiar, and, and Jesus is having lunch with the Pharisee, a teacher of the law. If anybody, if anybody should have understood the grace of God and truth, a religious lawyer, a teacher of the word of God, Paul, <laughs> when he gives that resume in Philippians 3rd, that third chapter of Philippians, you know, he was a Pharisee. He was a teacher of the law, uh, circumcised on the eighth day from the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee, a teacher of the law. As to the law, the word of God, he says, without flaw. That's who he was before, and yet he would tell you he, did, he didn't understand the grace of God and truth. He had a lot of biblical knowledge. He had a lot of stuff. He could quote a lot of scripture. He was in the synagogue every time the doors were open. He would have, if he'd have been a Christian living in 2021 in Curtin, Texas, he'd probably be at the Christmas play and the Easter service and then maybe whenever else it was convenient for him. And, you know, all whatever it was. And we're all at some level, but we have this thing that happens. I'm a Christian. I'm a religious person. I'm... I'm committed to scripture I do devote whatever your level of my action and my life and my need or understanding with God is whatever it is the problem is we can still have a heritage or tradition a relationship a knowledge but if it isn't completely based upon understanding the grace of God in truth here's the problem we'll be legalistic we'll be Pharisees we'll be yeah, commitment is going to waver. It, it could be all kinds of things. But the number one thing it does is this. Number one, it keeps me, it keeps me from living the way Christ intended for me to live as a true child and servant of God. It really does. Now, I'm going to let the scripture explain that in just a minute. But every problem that I encounter as a sinner, every problem you encounter as a sinner, saved by the grace of God through faith, with the gift of the Holy Spirit, everything, every problem that you and I encounter is in that state. There's something incomplete in my understanding of the grace of God and truth. It really is. Because understanding the grace of God and truth, it not only, it's a guarantee. It, 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 it not only can, it does fix everything. You got a conflict in your life. You got you're, you're in a dark place in your life. There's a monumental struggle, a devastating struggle in your life. And in your flesh, you're struggling with it, and you, you want to fix it. You want God to fix it. You want the spiritual outcome. It, it's, it's based upon one thing, and that's understanding the grace of God in truth. And my belief and contention is, is that most Christians... And this is a very difficult statement to make. Maybe many preachers certainly has, would be included. Never have fully understood the grace of God and truth. Jesus in the seventh chapter of Luke, he's, he, this Pharisee, he's there and this woman comes in. 
You may be familiar with the story. And, and she, she weeps and she, man, she's at the feet of Jesus in her tears. And, you know, and, and she's a woman of ill repute. And, and, and the religious lawyer who should have understood the grace of God and truth you don't remember what he said in his mind? He said, if he knew what kind of woman this was. There's a great example of what I've said. We do that. It's a pretty glaring story there. How many of you have ever been that guy? The Bible-believing, obedient Bible guy, quote scripture guy, go to church guy, and you see something. In this case, he saw this woman of ill repute come in and this rabbi, this unconventional rabbi. She's weeping and she's loving him and she's and 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 that guy, you, me. Our understanding is this. This is what we understand. And we would even have a truth. We would even put it in the category of some kind of truth, but not the, not the, not the truth of the God's grace. Humanity's truth, your truth, redneck cowboy truth, hardworking businessman truth, whatever it is, American, patriotic American truth. If he only knew what kind of woman that was, if, he only, if she only knew what kind of man, now, what he's also saying is, he knew. Oh, he knew. I know. Now, if, if, if AY, if you knew, I, obviously you don't know who you're dealing with. Boy, you don't know what kind of, you know, but I know. Oh, I know. It's because I have an understanding. And it's based upon some truth. It's based upon some truth. I'm just giving him an American patriotic truth. Uh, you know, uh, rural truth, the homespun, you know, my word is my bond. And I could, you know, because we're really proud of all the things that we just think that we're really strong in. And that's what we do. And so there's a truth. And it's almost always a demanding truth, a narrow truth, a self-righteous supporting truth. But it's not the truth of God's grace. It's not understanding God's grace. You want to understand God's grace and truth? Do you know what Jesus said to that man? He said, I need to tell you something. Let me ask a question. Since I came in your house with all your, you know, this guy, I mean, he's, I'm sure he's a nice home. Maybe he had a Bible, maybe he had four or five Bibles, I don't know. He was set up to serve, probably very clean. And I'm going to do this rabbi a favor. I'm going to have a nice little meal for him. And who is this woman that invades my home? Well, I don't know where, man. I've seen her. And Jesus asked a question. You want to start to understand the grace of God and truth? He asked a question. You see, you know, since I've been in here, <laughs> what have you done? What is she doing? And he makes this great statement. He who, what, is forgiven much, loves much. And he who is forgiven little, Loves little. I am convinced that in our Christian walk, the body of Christ is full of attendants, pew sitters, that never 
have really understood the grace of God in truth. I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced there's times in my life I go back, I get to that, oh, I try, I hope by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit to say, hey, Aubrey, no, 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 you don't have that right. You don't have that privilege. God didn't call you to judge anybody. And he said in his sermon, the fact, the way you're going to judge somebody, you're going to be, that measure is going to be used against you. But we got it. We just do. We, it's, it's, it's part of our nature based upon some truth, but it's not an understanding of God's grace in truth. And, and, and I am convinced in my own personal walking, what I've seen churches are full of people that really understand at some level what happened there. There's something happened. But I see it in attitude, personalities, actions. A lack of understanding. And that under the lack of understanding is that something was done for me, and that's good. And my parents took me to this church, and I was confirmed in this church. And, you know, we sang hymns, and church was always nice if the air conditioning wasn't too cold or the heater wasn't too hot or... The preacher didn't preach too long, and whatever is foolishness that we consume ourselves with and has to do with our flesh, pride, and ego. Instead of this overwhelming sense of humility, dear Lord God Almighty, have mercy on me, a sinner. The third chapter of Romans, no, there's not one, not one that has done good. Not one, not one that has done good. It's right there. I had an elder at a church teaching uh, verse by verse on that passage on a Wednesday night Bible class, that third chapter of Romans. An elder. Hey, preacher, don't teach that anymore. Why? Well, it's really upsetting some people. What, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? That actually happened. And praise God, he had the strength. There was something there that at least he could voice it. Many of us would never say it, but we'll just sit it. Think about that. We'll sit it. And then we'll walk with it. Here's, I'm just going to ask you. How much did God do for you, me, us to save you? How much? And if you understand that in the truth of God's grace, what right do you, I, me have to be angry with anyone? Start. Give me a reason. No, to give him a reason. Justify your anger, your judgment, your gossip, your envy, your pride, your sense of self-righteousness. How dare you? I'm going to, I, would you do the, if, if you think you understand the grace of God, if I think I understand the grace of God in truth, justify any of those thoughts, attitudes, convictions before him. You have to do it to me. Each of us are going to, we're going to understand it. If you don't understand it, we're going to understand it. We're all going to appear before the judgment seat of God. And the people like you and I, if there's anything that we should understand, we should understand 
the grace of God in truth. Not the grace of God in a little bit of truth. Not the grace of God in, uh, based upon the, your truth and, and in his truth. He's not interested in your truth. God is not interested in one bit of your truth or my truth. You and I are. Just listen to us argue. But he's not. So I want to, if you're not sure, it's my responsibility as quickly as possible as Scripture dictates for you and I to be able to answer that question. If nobody's ever explained it to you, if the Scripture's never been taught, and it's pretty simple, go to Isaiah chapter 42, just Isaiah 42. There's four songs from the 42nd chapter of Isaiah to the 53rd chapter of Isaiah that teach about, completely teach the truth of God's grace in truth. Now, I said, I finished it, verse 6 in Colossians chapter 1. In verse 7, he says, just as uh, about this understanding of the grace of God and truth, he said, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the spirit. So Paul's talking about this church, understanding the grace of God and truth. And he reminds them, you learned it from a guy that was a beloved fellow bond servant who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he, and he also informed of us of your love in the spirit. So this is a spiritual exercise. Christianity, understanding the grace of God and truth is a spiritual exercise. I tell you, I understand it. I tell you, I'm a faithful servant when I do that, a bond servant, and I'm a servant of Christ. And then I can also inform you and others about your love in the spirit. That's a spiritual exercise of understanding the grace of God and truth. It's, it just is. It's a fact. So in the 42nd chapter of Isaiah, I want you to, the word servant, uh, all th these songs, just short excerpts from four songs. Hey, chapter 42, verse 1, behold my servant. All these songs have to do, all these songs have to do with Jesus. 600 years before he was born, all these songs have to do with the Christ. 600 years before he was born. God's people who were supposed to understand the grace of God and truth. And what did they need to, uh, how, how much do you have to learn? You should have just started in the garden. It should have been over at the garden. It should have. They rebelled. They had free moral choice. They did. You and I, we're born sinners. Adam and Eve, they, we're born in iniquity. Read the 51st Psalm. Adam and Eve were not. They chose, they rebelled, and now all of us are living under the curse of being born sinners. They weren't. They became sinners. And grace started to be extended. Grace began. Now, it really began before then, but for you and I, sinners born in sin, the story of grace began. And you just move forward. You get to the sixth chapter of the book of Genesis. It says God was sorry that he'd made man because evil and wickedness was in his heart continually. Story should have been over. 
But grace showed up. There's a man named Noah, and he built an ark. And you just keep going. But God's people should have known, they should have understood the grace of God. Going all the way back to Genesis, the patriarchs, anything. Moses leading the children out of Israel, they should have known. And 600 years before the Christ would be born, they didn't know. They were still, they, 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 they would praise him with their lips, but their heart was far removed. They would have the festivals and the, and the Sabbaths and uh, all the things. And they could quote the scriptures and they could wear the phylacteries. And, you know, uh, but they, they didn't understand the grace of God and truth. So Isaiah puts together some songs so that they could understand it. And you and I could understand it. And then when he was born and he showed up, they could see it. And the first thing in the first song right here, behold my servant who I uphold. You want to understand the grace of God and truth? Ask yourself, am I a servant? Now Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Are you a servant? I don't know. Are you the kind of servant that just serves when it's convenient? Are you the kind of servant that serves when you're going to get something in return? Is that what he did? I shared with, I learned something from Tammy. I did. It's such a powerful lesson for me personally. Uh, I've never served as a waiter or a waitress. I've never done that. Uh, I've never done that. If you're an American, you've probably fallen into this trap. You go to a restaurant. We're all going to go to restaurants after here. And we just expect good service. In the nicer restaurant you go to, you expect a little nicer service. You do, right? I'm going to drop a $100 bill in there. I'm going to do some good. And we immediately, consciously begin to make a determination about a servant. That's a servant. Now, we have politicians in D.C. and in Austin and all the state's capitals. They're public servants. I don't, I don't see that, but it is a term. Uh, we see police that protect and serve. That's beautiful, I think. My opinion is most of them are upright people doing the best they can. But that's servant. But what was servant 2,000 years ago? What was servant 3,000 years ago? It wasn't like a waiter who was going to get a tip, whether the service was good or bad. Or, you know, it was a destitute person on the lowest rung of humanity. The first thing about understanding the truth of God's grace is understand that the truth, Jesus Christ, and the songs, prophetic songs that were sung about him and the prophetic word that was spoke about him was that he was servant. But I had learned this lesson from Tammy. And she, we go in a restaurant and she served tables I never have. And, and, uh, and, and if... And she's, she's a really good tipper. She, she would never say that publicly, and she's mad. I, I, right now she's mad at me for telling you that. But she's a really good tipper. Now, I mean really good. You know when she really tips well? Is when the service is bad. Think about it. I want, would you do that? I've never served table. I expect to get good service. I got a knowledge about service and servants. 
not like 2,000 years ago, but I expect you to serve me. If you're a Christian and you understand the grace of God and truth, and I love what she told me. She said, you know, honey, if you've ever served tables, you know this, it's a crummy job. And, and you're dealing with sometimes some crummy people. And because you've got a crummy job, maybe things are not going really well in your life. And maybe I can encourage somebody who's doing a bad job. That's just her, and I love that. There's, there's some understanding of God's grace in that truth. But, but let's take it a step further. Behold my servant. If you understand the grace of God and truth, do you know what that means? My chosen one in whom my soul delights. The first lesson is God is saying, behold, my servant. That would be my son. And my soul, God's soul, delights in him. Hmm, I have put my spirit upon him. He'll bring forth justice in the nations. He'll not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. Certainly had the right to do that. But he chose to be a destitute servant, only relying on the delight of God and the spirit of God. A bruised reed he'll not break. And a dimly burning wick he'll not extinguish. He'll faithfully bring forth justice. He'll not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. This is where we kind of get messed up. I, I can't, I could, I'm, I'm going to cut this short. I'm going to expand this next week because I want to get through the other songs. Um, but if you understand justice, see, you can't understand the grace of God and truth until you un understand a justice according to his law. It will not be, and it won't even resemble anything that you consider justice. If you're applying anything that you think you know about justice, you better pray to God with all of your heart that you don't have to stand before God according to what you think is just. His justice was no man can save themselves. Their heart is evil wickedly, continually. His justice was I'm going to fulfill the book of Leviticus. I'm going to be the altar on the day of atonement. I'm going to be the sheep on the day of atonement. I'm going to be the blood on the altar on the day of atonement. I'm going to be the priest that cuts the lamb's throat on the day of atonement. I'm going to be the veil in the temple because the unholy man cannot come into that presence. I'm going to be the scapegoat that is released into the wilderness for the sins of people that know their sin and don't know their sin. I'm going to Sacrifice and be sacrificed. I'm going to become sin. Now, if you have that kind of justice, 
I need some of you, but you ain't got it. And I never met a man that. I ain't met that person. You ain't got that justice in you. And if you think you do, God bless your little soul. His justice is a sacrifice has to be made. Only one holy enough can make the sacrifice. Only one holy enough can be sacrificed. Blood has to be spilled. Forgiveness has to be given. It has to be done on an altar in the privacy between a holy God separated from an unholy people. And the sin has to be, that, that atonement has to be for those that know they're sinners and even those that don't know they're sinners. And only I can do it. Only, only the truth of God's grace could wield the knife, build the altar, spill the blood, and become sin in holiness. Do you understand that? That's the kind of servant he was, and that's the kind of justice he's talking about. If you and I think we're in a position to demand justice outside of the understanding of God's grace in truth, we're in the very worst place that anybody professes to be a Christian can be. We're just in the worst. But if you're at that place where you can say, dear Lord God Almighty, have mercy on me, a sinner. And be silent. Don't raise your voice. Allow yourself to be bruised. You won't break. The light that we're supposed to be is a dimly burning white light. Did you think about that? Just a little bit of light overcomes darkness. Do you understand when he says we're supposed to be the light of the world? We're supposed to be a dimly lit wick that will not be extinguished. He was. How brightly do you think he shone 2,000 years ago in Palestine? How brightly. We know all about Jesus. We know all about him. You think that more than 99% of the people that were living, the living population 2,000 years ago, I think this is a generous number. If you had the population that existed 2,000 years ago, the total world population, I think it would be safe to say 99.9% .9 of the living souls on the planet 2,000 years ago had no idea who a little Jewish rebellious preacher was in Palestine. I just don't think anybody knew. You talk about, you talk about a dimly burning wick. They know who Caesar was. Well, they know who Caesar was. He was bright and burning, wasn't he? But understanding the grace of God and truth, 2,000 years ago, there was a dimly lit wick. And Satan and all of his minion was devising a scheme to put him out, to bruise him. Behold, 
my servant. That's the beginning to understanding the grace of God and truth. We're going to blow this up over the next two or three weeks. I hope you're here. It's the most important thing that we'll ever understand. Almost everything that we understand in life, the scripture says, it's vanity. But understanding the grace of God and truth. Behold, my servant. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I was mindful of um, the song that Hannah chose, one of the songs, all of them, Father. A mighty fortress. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Behold my servant. Help us to have eyes that see and ears that hear. We cry out to you with the a great distress for the Sebastian family this morning. I know and I believe that your justice, the justice that you provided as a sacrificial lamb for the sins of all humanity. And you have indeed intervened for not only our sins, but the sins of all the world, the whole world, Father. We give you praise and truth. And our truth and your truth and the truth of Scripture is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.